definitely think use cases are starting to come up more and more. And that's just unfortunate the way the consumer sees those kinds of improvements. Uh, once we get through the inflationary period, better costs for product, better agriculture, you know, better manufacturing and shipping, all of those types of things that's really hard to measure if you're a consumer. Now, like you'd alluded to earlier, I think the primary, we'll call it use case, but the, the primary reason the carriers leaned so heavily into 5G was it is just a lot more affordable on sort of a price per bit basis to roll out and, and, and manage these 5G networks than prior generation. And so there was a big business incentive for the carriers to try to get 5G rolled out and get as much traffic onto those 5G networks as they can, um, because long-term it's gonna be better for the business. But for sure, the biggest use case has been the fixed wireless access. Welcome to the 5G Guys podcast, the best resource for newcomers and industry insiders alike to explore not just 5G, but anything technology and telecommunications. We explore and discuss technology with guests of varying backgrounds and expertise to help you learn and stay current. So let's dive right in. Welcome the 5G Guys themselves, hosts Dan McVaugh and Wayne Smith. Welcome to season four premiere of the 5G Guys podcast. I'm Wayne Smith and joined by my co-host, Dan McVaugh. Hey everyone, welcome back for another season of the 5G Guys podcast. I'm excited for another season and looking forward to a lot more great episodes and great guest appearances. Wayne and I thought we'd kick off season four by just doing some general technology and industry updates. Um, some of our thoughts as we head into the last few weeks of 2023 and start off the new year in 2024. So uh, let's let's just kind of dive in, Wayne. What's top of mind for you as we sort of look at where we're at today? Well, I think since we're towards the tail end of the year, we should talk about 5G progress. You know, what do, you know, how did the year shape up of 2023 and where are we at? Yeah, I mean, it's the most common question I still get is, you know, how are we doing on 5G and, and when is 5G going to deliver what it promised? So uh, so as far as, as progress in the U.S. goes, uh, I think the best way I'd summarize it is what we saw was T-Mobile kind of lead the charge with getting the bulk of their network covered with 5G and AT&T and Verizon trying to catch up and do the same. And and I think they're still, you know, they're still trying to do that. I think uh, T-Mobile's reported that they'll be at about 300 million pops covered by the end of the year. So that's, you know, more or less the bulk of the U.S., uh, large population centers is, at least. And AT&T and Verizon are just sort of behind the eight ball because they had a slow start with their C-band predicament they had finished in 2022 and a little delay in getting built out. So I think uh, AT&T is predicting there'll be about 200 million pops covered on their C-band by the end of the year and Verizon about 250 million pops. So a little bit behind T-Mobile, but uh, that, that's kind of the the take. So so really Verizon and AT&T are just trying to still get coverage, whereas T-Mobile's now got coverage and is really focused on making the network play well and add capacity to where they need more capacity on their 5G network. That's that's really my takeaway where, where we're at at this point. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you know, I think the C-band presented, I mean, they, they, they've put a lot of emphasis at the end of 2022 into 2023, getting it deployed. They still have a ways to go, you know, and I think we'll see a lot of that C-band deployment go through 2024, maybe through the whole year. 
and then and you know my take from it i guess from a vendor perspective in 2023 we've had a lot of ups and downs in the industry a bit you know like a lot of pullback i think a lot of that's probably related in this your speculation you know but related to inflation based mm-hmm. you know the cost of doing business has definitely grown up went up and it has impacted the ability to build also though you know if we take one step back to 5g in the early days you and i when we were talking about 5G, we, we knew that that this big infrastructure spend of 15, 16 billion a year, 5G did hold the promise of a lower capital spend for deployment. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think we we're actually seeing that come to fruition. You know, we've been used to in the industry for these giant capital spends every year. 2023 seems the first year that we're starting to see a little pullback. Now, I'm not sure what the final numbers were. They were pretty still quite high, but they weren't 2022 levels, but they were probably a drop. And then we'll probably see that continued drop into 2024. And so it is coming true. You know, the cost to deploy 5G is a little cheaper. We have a lot of, you know, we still have a lot of macro coverage out there. But overall, to your point, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And we've reached that level of parity of, of coverage, you know, no matter where you're at in the country. Yeah. With all. Yeah, and 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 of course we've talked about this throughout the year. Verizon and T-Mobile did a really pretty good job of deploying fixed wireless access using that same five G network to to get home internet service to people to compete with the cable and and DSL phone providers for broadband internet to the home. So they they did a great job. I think AT and T is just now starting to scratch the surface on that. AT&T's reported in their quarterly earnings for the third quarter that they hope to to hit about 30 markets by the end of the year with their fixed wireless access. So that that's another part of 5G in a u- different use case that we also saw this year. It's definitely a good topic, something we probably should research is um, wonder what the ARPU is for fixed wireless versus wireless. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean because it's readily available and I have heard more and more people that I talk to, you know, just every day on the street, they're jumping on the fixed wireless broadband wagon. Right. And so it'd be it'd be an interesting comparison because it's both wireless, just different types of, I guess, customer set, if you would. Right. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, so ARPU for, for listeners is average revenue per user. So it's how the industry sort of tracks, you know, how much they're making for each subscription customer. And over the years... You know, you go back to 1G, ARPU was in the hundreds of dollars per user. And so over time, it, it's kind of progressively gone down. And we've talked about that, right? As consumers, we get a lot more for our money. And it's one of the few things that the price for us to get our cell phone service has consistently stayed level or even gone down over time. So that's a challenge these carriers have, right, is continuing to spend billions of dollars every year on capital with a declining average revenue per user. So it's definitely an issue to, to keep an eye on. We'll definitely try to see when we can look at that as a, a later episode. Yeah, it's like 40 some dollars. I think it's in the 40 range now mm-hmm. compared to, to your point. So that's half. Yeah. But it's super interesting. You know, I think from a vendor perspective and the pullback in 2023 for 5G, it's definitely, it's not full steam ahead for any of the carriers. You know, I think Verizon's had their, you know, a couple, I don't want to say it redirections and changes, but they're re-looking at priorities and making sure the capital spent 
meets the you know the network need where maybe in a few years ago we were just building fiber we were building sites to get you know to meet a different objective i guess i think dish to your point earlier has made some their initial rollout in 5g and then what's next for them right right yeah that's been interesting because I have yet to see any marketing by Dish actually selling service. I haven't seen any commercials. I haven't seen any ads. No stores popping up. I don't even know anybody that uses Dish service. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I just haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't either. I mean, I, I did. I thought I did. Maybe we did talk about one use case for IoT on their network. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, more, more that versus a voice or a consumer-based product. Exactly. And I, I really think that's what I want to keep an eye on with Dish is, is you know, there's been there's been talk from the get go when they started talking about building out of being a white label carrier where they just sell access bits and bits and bandwidth to other carriers to augment those other carriers networks. So you you might be on You might think you're using T-Mobile's network, but you're actually using Dish's network, for example, things like that. So I want to keep an eye on that wholesale. And also want to keep an eye on, like you said, industrial IoT type. Are they going to be more of a B2B provider of service versus a consumer service provider? Because right now I don't I don't see anything on the consumer front for them. Yeah, so, me neither. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think was interesting to look at with regard to, you know, the 5G progress, and this is probably the biggest question I get is, you know, use cases and I'm disappointed. Like 5G didn't do anything for me. Like that's probably the most common thing I hear. And, and I think that a lot of what I've recognized this year is that these 5G networks are standalone networks, meaning it's, it's radio frequency and core network in the background that's operating as a completely separate network from the 4G networks. And I think what that causes for um, anytime that we have these new generations of technology, there's sort of this break-in period where there's some, it's buggy, there's some issues that have to be worked out. And because it's a standalone network from 4G, what happens is your phone might get stuck on a 5G network that is not working well, and it doesn't switch back over to a 4G network that might actually perform better. It's sort of like if you've experienced your phone stuck on a crappy Wi-Fi connection, and you got to turn your Wi-Fi off to get it over to cellular or 4G so you can do what you want to do. It's sort of like that same dynamic I think is going on. And I've seen numerous reports of people just turning their 5G off on their phone and just staying on 4G in certain parts of the network where they're just having a lot of 5G problems. And so that's that's an interesting observation that I've seen this year. And I think that'll, that'll get worked out. We're about five years into the deployment, which is about, in my experience, when we start to see things really start performing. That's one of the biggest observations I've made. Yeah, I got a lot of travel this year. And so, you know, I have a, a new phone, a 14, I think, 5G. And I've been to, jeez, uh, 20, 30 cities mm-hmm. probably this year's travel for work and, and, you know, pleasure. And I haven't had those kind of 5G issues. Not that I would, you know, normally it would make me take pause to think about. And, you know, I, overall... You know, I, but I do think when we talk about 5G, is it truly going to be that much better than the 4G? Because it was so good at the end of its reign, right? Yeah. And 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 then you know the the business enterprise use of it. I definitely think use cases are starting to come up more and more. 
And that's just unfortunate the way the consumer sees those kinds of improvements. Hopefully it's through, uh, once we get through the inflationary period, better costs for product, better agriculture, you know, better manufacturing and shipping, all of those types of things that's really hard to measure if you're a consumer. Right, right. And like you alluded to earlier, I think the primary, we'll call it use case, but the, the primary reason the carriers leaned so heavily into 5G was it is just a lot more affordable on sort of a price per bit basis to roll out and, and, and manage these 5G networks than prior generations. And so there was a big business incentive for the carriers to try to get 5G rolled out and get as much traffic onto those 5G networks as they can, um, because long-term it's going to be better for the business. But for sure, the biggest use case has been the fixed wireless access. It's given the carriers a pathway to sell new services to home internet users that they didn't have before by leveraging those 5G networks. By far the, the biggest use case in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it'll just pick up steam, mm-hmm. you know. I actually saw a report that said pretty much year to date for 2023, all of the new broadband additions of, of homes getting broadband for the first time were almost all predominantly attributed to fixed wireless access. Ooh. So the the net additions that the traditional internet providers got were just people changing companies, switching from Xfinity to Charter, or from Xfinity to their you know DSL uh, phone internet provider, and that the new net ads were predominantly fixed wireless access. That's impactful. Well, that's what's great about this new season. <laughs> I think we have a few uh, guests coming up with you know in our drops. To talk about fixed wireless. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it'll be great. But but just 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 to be clear, the number of fixed wireless access internet users is a small percentage of the total homes using broadband in the United States right now. So they're just scratching the surface in terms of the total percentage of users. This episode of 5G Guys is brought to you by Vertex Innovations. For almost 20 years, Vertex has been building the nation's wireless and broadband networks. Providing project management, network engineering, and construction oversight are just some of the ways Vertex helps its clients. So if you're in need of a partner to help you with your wireless network designs, construction, implementation, or operations, reach out to Vertex. You can find them at vertex-us.com. You know, another good topic in 2023, you know, as we look at the the spectrum, how do you think private networks have done this year? You know, it's one of those subjects that we think there's a great potential for, and it is for some enterprises, depending on scale and and really how much money they have to deploy. Uh But, Uh you know, is that, have you heard as much around that space or is it kind of went, kind of dropped off a bit? Well, I don't, I don't know that I'd say it's dropped off, but it definitely didn't get sort of the launch off the, the launch pad that we thought we were going to see. Um, you know, I really thought we were going to see a lot in that space, and there's definitely activity. Um, I've seen community broadband projects that were based on private internet. I'm definitely seeing industrial applications, but, but just not to the de- degree I thought we would see it. And I, I think that's kind of a combination of the 5G technology still maturing in combination with where we ended up economically this year overall, like businesses had to kind of focus on their core business and not a great year to spend capital on a new experimental, you know, product for their business. 
Very, very true. You know, with you mean with the promise of the recession and then and then the soft landing and as a business owner trying to figure out, all right, which is it? Is it both or, you know, yeah, I, I would agree. That's, that's a good, good takeaway. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's just take, I don't know, an Amazon warehouse that's using Wi-Fi right now to enable the robots to automate factory processes. You know, the, the, the desire to be forward thinking and deploy a private, maybe 5G network to replace that, they don't really need it yet. It's just sort of, you know, was it time to, to try to experiment with it this year or just continue to work with what's working today and maybe wait till, you know, business is a little better and the promise of the, the market's a little better. So that's kind of what I think, but that's pure speculation. But definitely we have seen, Swiss, you know, now that we're talking about that economically, We've talked about it throughout the year and it's still there. You know, the, the, the telecom industry is definitely in, I don't know if you call it a recession, but it's down, it's down layoffs in almost every company that we know of, mm -hmm. not just carriers, but the companies that sell equipment to those carriers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's been pretty dramatic. And then, um, I think also the adoption of just in time purchase orders mm -hmm. where, lack of the ability for a vendor or these support companies to forecast until the last minute, which then you're kind you, then you run into issues with supply chain. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think those are challenging. Those are challenges that a lot of us in the industry haven't had to deal with. And now we're trying to make our businesses fit into a new just in time purchasing model. Mm -hmm. And I get where the carriers are. They can't over promise you know, to their vendors because they're not sure which direction they have to pivot to still remain competitive. Is it fixed wireless? Is it, you know, C-band? Or do they have a greater or, you know, they build a, high, a longer timeline to deploy C-band? You know, so those are all questions, I think. And, you know, one of the things that we haven't gotten into yet is how have the carrier's strategy for each technology really worked? You don't really hear a lot about that on the outside, you know, but we know that deploying any kind of technology comes with bugs and problems and, mm -hmm. oh, maybe that wasn't what we thought it would mm -hmm. be. I think that some of that has happened within this year, you know, and with the strategies. Oh, we were going to do this and maybe they just weren't optimized or they didn't see the return on investment as they mm -hmm. thought they were. And so that just-in-time funding deals with the economy. What does that do for the industry? It definitely hurts the vendors because right. you can't for, you can't forecast. And then if you don't have a forecast and you don't have commitments, it gets into the hiring mix. How do you hire enough folks to do it? And then without without long term lead items, how do you deal with supply chain issues if you have to build things? So the economy will it'll play out this year. I mean, I don't I, I still think it's going to be a rough slow road mm -hmm. to at least for first quarter next year. From my, my perspective. The one thing that when 5G early on, what you saw was at least two of the three carriers, Verizon, AT&T, were really going to focus on on millimeter wave, right? Like the super high frequency, high bandwidth that could like really deliver. This was the super highway analogy we use for 5G, right? And T-Mobile focused on low band because they could roll it out really fast and they would have really good coverage. And so T-Mobile did that originally and AT&T and Verizon started trying to do millimeter wave. What really happened and where we're at today is 
they're all focused on mid-band. We talked about C-band, which is what Verizon and, and AT&T predominantly are using. T-Mobile is using predominantly 2.5 gigahertz, which is slightly lower frequency than, than the, you know, the 3.6 gigahertz, 3.7 gigahertz C-band. And I think that's what they've all realized is that's the perfect compromise where they get the higher bandwidth, the, you know, more lanes in the road, not quite like millimeter wave, but they also get a little better coverage, a lot better coverage actually than millimeter wave. And so, but what I think you are seeing though, is that mid band coverage is not quite as good as what we've all been used to with traditional 3G and 4G networks that are in lower bands. Those lower frequency bands, they can penetrate walls, they can go through trees better than you can with, with mid band. And so when I hear a lot of people say, hey, I just, it seems like my 5G coverage has gotten worse. Well, you know what? It, it might have because 5G is on a slightly higher frequency band now, might not cover as well as what you've been used to. So that cell site in your neighborhood that used to cover your home office well, might not cover your home office as well with the C band or the 2.5 mid band that T-Mobile is using. Um, so that's the one thing that I think I did take out of this year was I think all the carriers really have narrowed in on, for now, mid-band is their 5G focus. And so now they just have to optimize their deployments around that. Gotcha. Yeah, it, make, it makes sense. That's kind of some of the rumblings that I guess I had heard too, said a better way by you using the analogy of the highway of it. But I think, you know, all of us in anywhere out there, expectations, we, we you know, as a society, our expectations is so off the charts. You know what we want, and then and we got so used to the Moore's law, doubling, doubling, doubling. You mm-hmm. know, to not everything's going to work that way, mm-hmm. and we're going to make we're going to make some mistakes in deploying this new technology and how it's used in the use cases, and that some of it's going to work really well, and others haven't yet to be developed. So I think that's yeah. I mean that's that's a fair fair statement to say. Here's spot on. The, the advent of the smartphone and 4G at the same time really spoiled us as consumers. Like it was such a huge step function in, in what we, what we got as consumers that we kind of thought, well, the next one's going to be similar, and it's just not been been that way. But kind of shifting focus a little bit, we've talked a little bit about the cable companies. It's actually been a pretty big year for them as well. So one of the things the cable companies have been really focused on this year is. They've all made a big move into selling mobile phone service as mobile virtual network operators, meaning buying wholesale data from companies like Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, and using their networks to sell mobile phone service to their customers as part of a bundle to attract and retain of their base customers that are you know, maybe getting cable internet or cable TV or whatever the case might be. That was a huge addition for for the big guys this year, Charter, Comcast, especially. I would say almost half of the, from the, the research analyst research I've seen, almost half of the mobile net additions in Q3 from, from earnings and the Q3 earnings were by cable companies. That's pretty impactful. Well, it, it is. And it's kind of like if you sit there and take a step back, just as we talk about fixed wireless, the wireless carriers are poaching their customers. And so, hey, one one of the things that someone told me, and I don't I don't know true. I know that they use the MVNO model, all right. But uh, Comcast, they're actually creating their own network in some areas, and they're not using traffic on Verizon or AT and T or T Mobile, are they? Well, they're trying to use CBRS spectrum to okay. deploy networks. 
Um, and they also have their Wi-Fi, huge ecosystem of Wi-Fi deployments. So all these Wi-Fi routers out there that are on the mm-hmm. cable broadband. So they're trying to offload traffic from Verizon's network as an MVNO onto that Wi-Fi network. And they're, they're experimenting deploying their own network using CBRS spectrum for that same reason. Um, but they're literally just in the R&D stage right now. They've done some trial deployments in some small markets to see if how it'll work. And, you know, do, do they want to build and operate their own cellular network? That's a huge undertaking. And so I think they're just playing around with it to see if, if there's any viability to it. Yeah, pretty impressive, though. Those are good numbers. You know, when you look at uh, the customers at Verizon lost to the ones that Charter and Comcast gained. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's well, starting here- to... But here's the right. thing. Verizon didn't lose those customers because think about it. Xfinity is buying access to Verizon's network to serve those customers. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so Verizon's still getting revenue from those customer losses. Right. But Crazy. It, it's a lower ARPU, right? Yeah. Because they're selling that bandwidth wholesale. So, so it's an interesting, what's going to be interesting to me is to see how the carriers embrace or not embrace that wholesale model as we go into the next couple of years as as part of their their revenue base, right? Do they embrace continuing this MVNO model with their competitors? Or do at some point they draw the line and stop doing that to try to stop losing customers and keep their ARPU higher? Well, I think a natural response is to put up the walls. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you could also take the flip side. Are we going to see the next five to 10 years large um, M&A activity between cable and wireless actually coming together and then regulatory allowing that to happen to be a better, because it would, it would, that in itself would drive somewhat cost down for the consumer. That would be really interesting to see a, a merger of like a charter and a Verizon or something. That'd be huge. That's interesting to keep an eye on it. Well, the other thing this points to is, going back a, a much higher level, when you look at companies like Apple and Google, mm-hmm. their whole view of this ecosystem is they see a world where users don't know or care what network they're even on. The network becomes sort of agnostic and behind the scenes and the brands that we know today of Verizon and Charter and you know Xfinity kind of are gone. And really, you're just using devices from companies like Google and Apple, and you don't know or care whose network you're on. We've definitely moved closer towards that over the last five years. Yeah, agreed. I mean, and and uh, they had the piggy bank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, had super large market cap. Right. I mean, Apple is three trillion dollars, and you know, I know that Google a little bit different. You know, that they're starting to feel pressure in search because of AI and different mm-hmm. technologies. And so it, it will be. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I've been in the infrastructure infrastructure space my career career, and took a lot of pride in our people building this infrastructure. And it, it's hard to believe that it, it, this becomes so commonplace mm-hmm. that that it's that it's gone. You know what I mean? It's just hard for me to fathom that. But you just never know how the world comes together. You know, I get. I get the dual SIM cards, the eSIMs. They're kind of changing the technology by manufacturing the devices, right? Right, right, yeah. And that's going to enable things like private networks and the ability to switch networks much easier. T-Mobile announced this year, and I haven't seen if they've actually pulled it off, the ability to 
to try their network for a month using your second SIM on your on your phone, your eSIM, without having to leave the carrier on now. So use that eSIM, wow. activate on T-Mobile, use it for a little bit, see if you like it better, and then switch. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. That'd be a good way. Yeah, I know. But, you know. Also, yeah, before we leave on the cable front, I don't yeah. know if a lot of people know this. The only way people know this is from the Xfinity commercials that came out in the Super Bowl, the beginning of the year, where they announced their 10G network. Yeah. And I got so many people confused about that. They're like, we're skipping from 5G to 10G. And do I need to switch my service to Xfinity now, like to keep ahead of the times? And I was like, I was rolling my eyes that the marketing guys confusing the hell out of people in terms of the, what's the technology behind it. All, all that was, was them talking about their evolution of their cable network, their cable broadband network to be able to provide 10 gig service. But they kind of purposely are trying to confuse people, I think, with this 10G, comparing it to 5G and 4G. And that's one thing that I observed. But there is actually some substance behind it because what the cable guys have been focused on this year is it's sort of their version of 5G on the cable internet plant. It's called Doxis 4.0, not to get too geeky, but they're in the process of upgrading their cable internet plant to their next generation of technology, which is going to provide significantly more throughput to your home over your cable internet or to your business or whatever. So that's, that's kind of behind the scenes and the public doesn't really see a lot about that, but that's, that's mm -hmm. going on at the same time. Yeah. That's, that's super interesting. You know, when you, uh, the marketing piece of it, I think over time, you know, that marketing, it, it's just, it's so, it blurs so many lines, but we have to understand what it's for. It's not only for the consumer, it's for these large companies to raise capital in the public market. Mm -hmm. You know, it's to start to frame their vision of the future. And so we're, we're confused by the acronyms and we're really expecting a big leap in technology and it just might not be there yet, to your point. Right. Yeah. You know. So sorry I cut you off. Where were you going? There was something else you were going to hit on. Oh, yeah. No, I just, I, I know that we're getting, you know, pretty long into our, our show here and... This is the season four premiere. <laughs> so do you want to drop any things, you know, before we go this pay this place, or do we cover everything you wanted to cover? Well, I mean, there's always lots of stuff I could go on and on about what's going on on the tech space. You know, we've talked about satellite being used for for cell phone service direct from satellite. There's all the crazy things that Elon Musk is always doing, but but I mean, we'll have episodes to tackle a lot of those topics to give some hints. Like you said, we'll have some folks from some of the big companies that are behind these technologies like fixed wireless access. Some some interesting use cases of how wireless is being used in ways that I never imagined. We've got some pretty cool guests coming up for that. But I, I mm -hmm. think some of the big news is we're going to go full vi video starting this season. We've embraced uh, YouTube and the fact that it's the most used platform for podcasts and people want to see our faces and they want to see us talking. So we're going to give that a shot and embrace and hopefully our, our faces made for video don't scare everyone away, right? I <laughs> totally. Yeah. I never thought I'd be in front of a camera, but it's been super exciting and it's been a great journey. So I'm looking forward to it. If that's what we need to do, I'm all about it. Well, we'll see. And you know, and to your point, you know, and so we ought to cover this because it's so close. What do you think of the holiday season is going to bring for the carriers? Is it going to be a good year? Is there any technology that everybody needs to have? I just don't know. You know, I think it's just going to be 
kind of average. I don't, okay. you know, I don't see, you know, some years, for example, there's a new iPhone or a new Android phone. That's just like a leaps and bounds improvement over a prior model. I don't see that going on. I don't see, you know, I just don't see any sort of revolutionary thing going on with the carriers or any products or any launches of, you know, when, when we built out our 2G network in the mid nineties, when I worked for Sprint, we launched that network, one of the first nationwide digital networks in the U S right before the holidays. Huge, right? Yeah. The the holidays have always been a benchmark to try to do those kinds of things. I don't see anything like that this year. Yeah. Interesting. I always wondered, there's always deals. I'm getting all kinds of emails to go get a free phone or something, but you know, the phones are just so good. My 14's good. Yeah. This is the time to do it though. If you think you want to switch carriers, you want to get new phones, this is the best time of year to do it. So if you're in the market, I would do it now. Well, perfect. I can't think of anything else. I'm like, like you said, there's all kinds of industry, you know, things that are always happening, but still a really resilient industry. Absolutely. Well, thanks, man. Looking forward to another season and thanks for joining us as always, everyone. And we'll, we'll look forward to a great season. Take care. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to the 5G Guys. For more resources and to connect with Dan and Wayne, check out their website at 5gguys.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that follow button and share this episode with your friends and family.